so I get to I get to share the word with you today. We're in we're in a, 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 the look series right now, where we, uh, as a people, are saying, Lord, would you speak to us as a community, as the River community? And we're asking Him, we want to know what's on your heart in a way that will guide us and direct us in in, in establishing vision for for the River Church over the next five to seven years. Uh, you know, vision a vision of Outside these four walls, what do you want us to, where, where do you want us to invest our time, our finances, our giftings? Because we want to be where your heart is. And, and so uh, uh, some of you may have already uh, picked up one of the, the look guides. Uh, and and is anybody, does anybody not have a look guide uh, that, that wants one? I want, I want to put one in your hands if you don't want one. And, and, and what that is... Yeah, Josh, would you grab that sack there? Raise your, raise your hand high if you don't have a look guide. If you don't know what it is yet and you, and you are curious what it is, raise your hand and we'll get you one. But, but this, these, are some, these are some practical ways that we as a church can come together and seek the Lord and listen uh, and, and then share in what we are journeying with the Lord in both individually and together. And so whether you're going whether you're, whether you're to be in, in uh, Waltham or, or in, in the area nearby over the summer, you're traveling, grab this guide, and you can, and you can participate in this uh, process. And, and uh, we, we want you to be a part of that. And, you know, I was thinking about uh, just as a father, it is, it is so amazing when my children see things the way I see them and value things the way I, I value them. The, the first, the first letters of the alphabet that both my kids uh, learned were O-U. I'm from Oklahoma, and, and, I, and I like uh, the, the Sooners. <laughs> and they, they learned O-U pretty quick as, as, as kids. Uh, but, but, even, but even more than that, right, things, things that, are, that are precious to me. And when I see them becoming precious to my kids, it's beautiful. Uh, 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 when we were in Uganda, uh, we lived we lived in a fairly rural uh, area, and and one day uh, Noah Noah was, started having some tummy troubles, and uh, it might be TMI, but it, it, his stool looked like it had blood in it, and uh, and then that evening he just started writhing in pain, uh, saying that his, his tummy was hurting, and and, and uh, he was just inconsolable. So we called the local Bush Hospital. We we brought we brought him in, and by the time we, we got him to the to the pediatric ward of this rural hospital, he had calmed down. And we waited for the for the on call surgeon to come and just take a look at him. And and, and while we were waiting, um, I, I was holding Noah and trying to keep him busy and trying to trying to keep him from not putting things in his mouth in in, in the hospital. And, and so we were we were we were just kind of walking around and. And in, in the pediatric ward, there were children, you know, staying in the hospital uh, who were sick, little ones. And, uh, and there was a little boy fairly close to the door in a, in a metal hospital bed with an a, a oxygen cannula in his nose and, and an IV. And Noah was mesmerized. And, just, and he, he, he was able to talk at that moment. He's about 18 months, maybe 19 months. So he had, he had a few words. And, and uh he, I could tell he was wondering what in the world's going on, and so I just told him this little this little baby's sick. I said, "Do you want to pray for him?" And at that point, his answer was always yes. So so I said, "Okay, why don't you pray for him?" And he said, "Jesus healed him." And uh, I said, "Do you want to sing?" And he said, "Yeah, I want to sing." And so we started singing, "I am the sheep, and the Lord is my shepherd, watching over my 
like so, and he started singing with me. And, and he sung over this little boy in this, in this hospital bed, and time stood still. It really did, and, and the presence of the Lord entered in. And I, and I know with all my heart that what was on the Father's heart in that moment was on my son's heart. And it was beautiful for, to me as a father, but I know it was beautiful to our Heavenly Father. And, and that's what He wants with us. He wants us to press into His heart. And, he wants that he, and He's not going to leave us to carry these things that, are, that He's carrying in His heart. He's inviting Him to draw close to Himself and walk with Him. And so this is a, this is a journey of intimacy when we're saying, Lord, we're, we're not saying, Lord, would you give us more to do? Does, any more, does anybody here have more time? To do more. We don't have more time. We don't need more things to do. But as a people, we want what's on his heart to be on our hearts. And it's, and it's a matter of coming close and pressing into his heart. And that's what the look series is, this journey of, it's, it's not a series, I don't want to, sorry, I used to keep using the word series. This look journey is, is, is pressing into the heart of the Lord. So I want to jump into to scripture this morning. And, and, uh, this Sunday and next, I, I, we're going to focus on Jesus as our king, you know, the, the good news, Evangelion, a king is coming, a king is here, Jesus in his kingly authority. We're going to focus on Jesus and his authority. And uh, so I want, to, I want to start reading in Luke 5, starting in verse 12. So uh, if, you have, if you have a Bible with you, open it up and read along with me. Or you can join uh, and read along on the screen here. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And we're going to keep reading here. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do but they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, so they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, and I was telling this the story to Noah last night, and I said, what do you think was the first thing he said? He said, take up your mat. And I said, no, that's actually not the first thing he said. I think that's what everybody else was expecting. He said something different. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. 
So he said to the paralyzed men, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I know, I know that you all uh, have probably heard uh, the quote, and I, I looked up the guy's name, and I can't remember his name now. Absolute, absolute power, what? Corrupts, absolutely. In the brokenness of man, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And that's true most of the time, right? But that's not true with our king. He's the only one that doesn't apply to at some point. Because our king, in his absolute power, redeems absolutely. That's the nature of our king Jesus. And I want to focus on his authority. Jesus' absolute authority redeems absolutely. And I want to talk about his authority over our uncleanness and our sin. We're going to talk about what's uncleanness. I want to to talk about his authority over our sickness, his authority over our sin, and what he sees, when he sees through his eyes of kingly authority, what does he see? And how does it affect what he sees? So when, 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 when we were reading through the story about Jesus interacting with the leper, and, and we, I, there's a video that I was going to show you, and, and, and today it was taken off of, uh, off of YouTube, so much for my YouTube plans, but because I wanted you to see this visually. But, but, but right off the bat, as, as, that, as, as, as that man falls at Jesus' feet and, and Jesus begins interact with, uh, interacting with him, what's the first thing that catches your attention? What's the first thing that Jesus does when he responds to that man? I heard it. What did he say? What did he do? He touches him. That's a big deal. Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because as a Jew, you're taught the law, right? And and Leviticus is full of these ceremonial cleansing rules. So in order for you to be ceremonial, ceremonial clean and be able to enter into the presence of God, to be clean, before God, there's all these rules, intricate rules, to be kept. And, 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 and there's this whole section on skin rashes and sicknesses. And so this guy has leprosy. And, and, this, and, and you know, leprosy could actually mean uh, several things back, back at that point. So we don't know if it's our traditional, you know, or, or what we diagnose as leprosy today. But but we know that there that he is unclean because of, of the way that the scripture is talking about. He he says you can make me clean. So we know that there is there is an issue of him being sick, most likely incurable by by medicine, and and he is not just unclean, but he he is disassociated from all society, pushed away. Now we don't know how long he had been sick, but you know when Jesus reaches out and touches him, that's probably the first time that he's been touched in an honoring way for years, at least since his diagnosis. Jesus touches him. 
And there's instant relationship. There's instant acceptance. There's instant affirmation of who he is as a man made in the image of God. This is our king and his authority. So I want to talk a little bit about being uh, this, this concept of cleanness, of being ceremonially clean. You know, back, going back to Leviticus, there's all these laws of, of what's clean and unclean, and if you touch uh, something that's unclean, if you come in contact with something that's unclean, then you become unclean. Uh, you know, there's certain animals that are unclean. There's mold in your house, dead things. And, and some, of, uh, some of this makes sense to us, right, from a medical perspective. Uh, you know, the, the skin rash is okay. You don't want to touch skin rashes, and it could be communicable. You know, dig latrines outside the camp. Okay, that makes sense. You know, uh, don't eat lizards. Check. I'm good with that. <laughs> but then there's other things like a husband and a wife are, are unclean for a period of time after sexual intimacy. Uh, the, the, you know, even in the, in the ceremonial and, 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 and cleansing part of things, objects can be can be set apart. So so what what's it what what what's in God's heart? We we I, th- I think we understand it, 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 to to some extent the fact that in in the in the law lo- in these in the laws that, that God gave of of uh, that are moral laws. You know we we obey those laws, and we're right before God. We disobey those those laws, and we are we are we have sinned. There's there's a moral failure there. But we're not talking about moral uh, failure in the area of cleansing. Now, God did say, if you don't, if you don't, uh, to the to the Jewish people, if you don't follow me and walk in, in and, and obey these these laws surrounding the the cleansing, then you will be in sin. But but the actual but the actual laws about about cleansing weren't necessarily focusing on sin. So so why so why these these uh, ceremonial practices. Many times in the book of Leviticus, God says, be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. What does holy mean? What does that mean? Set apart. Consecrated. Set apart. And what makes something holy? Who, who makes something holy? It's, it's God. God. God is holy set apart. There is none like him. There is no God before him. He is, in his very nature, holy and set apart. And by, by who he is, he is the only one who can make something holy and set apart before him. And, and when, when God sets something apart, do you realize he's setting it apart for himself to belong to him? And I know that none of us can, can keep you know, moral laws perfectly, right? But even if you're, even if you're walking in accordance with, with the commands of God and you do not belong to him, you are not set apart to him, your heart is not submitted to him, are you, are you his? Are you walking in fellowship with him? No, there is there is a separation, and even even in the in in, in some of the ceremonial cleansing that happens, there, there's sacrifices, and there's this water that, that is mixed with the, the ashes of of 
a sacrificed heifer that is, that is sprinkled on the person who is coming to, to be ceremonial cleansed. And, and one way that that water is, is referred to ceremonial is the water of separation. There is, a, there, is, there, there is a recognition that we, in and of ourselves, are separated from God. And God wants us to belong to him. He wants, us, he wants our hearts to be submitted to him, to surrender to him. And, and so much so that he paid a price, right, to buy us to himself. There's, there's more to that story. It's not just about obeying laws. He, he, go, he says that's not what it's about. Even in the Old Testament, he said it's not about laws. It's about our hearts. So, so uh, you know, a, a priest comes, comes up to a, a leper and touches that leper, loves that leper, touches that leper. What happens to the priest? He becomes unclean. But here you have Jesus, the king. He comes up to the leper and, and he touches him. And is he made unclean? No. Why? Who, who, who is the one who can set apart and make holy? He's God. And he is saying to this man, you are, you are healed, but you are also cleansed. Come to me. It's an invitation. Come to me and be mine. These ceremonial laws are a constant reminder of our need to belong to him. Mind, will, and heart. It's a reminder of our brokenness and inability to set ourselves apart and thus our need for him to set us apart to himself. Listen to this passage on on Hebrews. Hebrews is an amazing perspective for for us as, as Gentile believers to look back at the Old Testament through the eyes of Israel. And listen listen to this, uh, Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain. This is, the, this is talking about the curtain in the temple that separated the, 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 the holy place that only the priest could enter one time a year for, atone, for the atonement of sin, with blood for the atonement of sin, the, the, representing the, the holy place representing the, the very presence of God. Open for us through the curtain that is His body, His body torn. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Our King washes us. He cleanses us, and He washes us, set apart to Him, belonging to Him, pure before Him. The absolute authority of our King redeems absolutely. I want to go on to, to, to the story of the paralytic. Jesus, in his authority as a king, he doesn't respond. Even, even, even the, the, the people who have been following him, they expect him to heal, but he doesn't heal immediately. The first thing he says is, your sins are forgiven. Who has the authority to forgive sins? God alone. God alone. And... and 
when, when even thinking back to the memory verse that, uh, from today, Isaiah 61, and, and, and Sean taught from Jesus quoting Isaiah 61 last week. Uh, Jesus said, I have come to set you free. I am anointed to bring freedom. And so when we're, when we're talking about forgiveness from sins, there is a debt, right? There is a debt. Of, uh, of God's wrath, of, of punishment poured out on our sin that, that, that we owe. And Jesus, when he said, it is finished, to, to tell us die, that, 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 that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's also a financial statement uh, uh, that, that was used to say, a debt has been paid. And when he said, to tell us die, he said, the debt is paid. I have laid down my life and the debt is paid. And so as he invites us to submit to his authority, to, and, and, and part of submitting to his authority is repentance, right? We've talked about repentance is, is, is a key thing in the kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom is near. This place of, of repentance. Uh, but, but again, repentance is not, is, not a, is not a place of shame. Repentance is a place of I am, I am, I am, I am, I am drawing near to you. There's this, again, this place of of belonging, of, of, of being received, of being forgiven. Our journey in walking out forgiveness and walking out freedom, sometimes, sometimes uh, freedom in an area of sin will come immediately, right? And sometimes it's this journey of sanctification of the Lord, step by step, as, as we say yes in simple ways, as we continue repenting, as we walk in the light uh, with the body of Christ. There's this journey of freedom. And, and, and as we focus on Jesus and his authority to forgive from sins, I know, I know all of us here, there is, there is a work that he is wanting to do. In this season of our lives, in bringing the reality of His authority, of His forgiveness, and also His freedom for us to walk in freedom as we, as we walk this journey of being transformed in His image. Addictions, He wants, he wants, to, he wants to break those off. And, and he, even more than that, He's redefining our, our identities in these areas. Maybe it's uh, uh, of just struggle and brokenness from family uh, of, of origin. These things that we've been conditioned to respond to life with. I feel like that, that covers pretty much everyone in the room. He, he is wanting to bring freedom in us. Will you draw near to this king? Will you submit your heart to this king and follow him? Simple steps of faith. One thing that I want to do right now is spend a little bit of time uh, really, really considering the way Jesus, as king, sees what when he when he looks and he when he sees people what does he see because i believe what 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 the lord sees is so i mean it's so different from what we in our humanness see right he sees through totally different lenses and and and, and i believe a part of you know there's there's this work that he's wanting to do in us to draw us closer to him but there's also this redemptive work that he is about in us as individuals and especially us as a people where he, he wants us to be vessels of redemption, to be vessels of reconciliation to the world around us. 
And in order for us to be a part of that, we have to see like he sees. We have to perceive and respond to situations like, like he wants us to respond. Or else we're going we're gonna to make judgments and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna just blow right past what he's wanting to do. And, and, I, and I know as, as, as a man, I desperately need him to, 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 to give me his eyes and his heart. Uh, because many, many times a day, I am making judgments and I am making decisions based on my, a, a fleshly view of reality. And that's, again, that's part of this book series of saying, God, will you transform even the way we see reality? But uh, as a part of, uh, of journeying through, what does it look like when, to look th- through the eyes of the king? I've in- invited John Aduma to come up and, and sh- to, to, to sit down with me and visit for him to share uh, part of his story. Uh, and I, I want you to know that uh, I love and respect this man as I'm getting to know him. John is a, a lover of Jesus. He uh, actually today is an amazing day. His wife and two children are on a plane coming to join him after a year of, of John being here. Isn't that amazing? Uh, John, John's, a, John's a business owner. He's a scholar, uh, a, a father, a husband. Uh, and, and, and I want to I uh, ask him a few questions and, and allow him to, to share a little bit of his uh, story with you. So thanks for it. Can, can somebody pa- pass me the mic? There's a, the, the mic that I was... I have a very loud voice. That's okay. We, we want to we thank you. Thank you. We, we, want, we don't want you to have to yell. So, John, would you, uh, would you just tell, tell us, introduce yourself to us. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and where, you, where you're from, et cetera. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Brendan, for this opportunity. Um, my name is John Oduma. I am from Nigeria. I was born in the north central part of um, northern Nigeria. Um, like Brendan has said, I am a father of two children, and um, I am a pharmacist trained in Nigeria. So, in a quest to read some more and reach out to more global audience and all that. I am here in the U.S., and I just completed my Master of Science degree in Global Health Policy and Management. Awesome. So, as a child, as, as, as a small boy, you fell ill. Can you tell us about that journey and how it, how it affected your life as a child? Yeah. So, um, a lot of you, when you see me, you see that um, I limp towards one side and all that. Um, as a child, at the age of one, I had poliomyelitis. Um, for those of you who don't know what polio is, um, poliomyelitis is an infectious disease that affects children usually under the age of five years of age. And usually, for kids that do not get um, to, uh, vaccinated against these polio vaccines, they are very, very prone to having this polio. So, and I say, unfortunately, I was one of those kids that wasn't lucky enough because, of course, some kids didn't take the immunization as at the time I was born. They didn't suffer polio and all that. But I didn't take, my parents were not literate enough to, not just because they were not literate enough, but because they didn't have access to this um, vaccination, this immunization for me to get vaccinated and all that. So, somehow... 
I wasn't lucky, and then I suffered this poliomyelitis at the age of one. And when I had this polio, again, I'm lucky because, I felt very lucky because a lot of kids, when they have this polio, most times you have two limbs, two of your limbs paralyzed. You suffer paralysis on both legs. But I was very lucky that it affected only one of my limbs, which is my left limb. Apart from the disease, what came with it was associated um, discrimination that came alongside with it because to some ignorant people, my mother was being accused of having done something wrongly and that's why the gods have decided to visit her, her in a way that God wants to punish her and all that. So she was going through a lot, trying to answer a lot of questions and all that. And then in a bit to find answers to her uh, questions and all that, she started taking me from one place to another, from seeing different set of doctors to traditional doctors, all sort of, all sort of people in a bit to see that, okay, her child is well again and all that. But again, the community felt that usually the impression is that, okay, if a child has um, a kind of a deformity like this, the next thing for that child is to become a beggar, probably on the street. And so everyone had already written me off. They felt that, oh, this is your child. The only thing that this your child can do is to take something like a plate or something and then go begging on the street and all that. But she knew very well that her child was not destined to be what people wanted the child to be and all that. So she insisted and ensured that um, I receive an education. I became a pharmacist in Nigeria. And then um, in a bid to give back to the community that never felt that I could amount to anything, I set up a community-based pharmaceutical company in my community in northern Nigeria. And by the grace of God, that community is still serving that. That pharmacy is still serving that community in Nigeria. Amen. So, yeah. So, um, so in... I don't know. Let me... Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, my life basically is... in. They, they are in two phases. Initially, I, I felt very bad because somehow it's even from my primary school, secondary school, I, before God came into my life and all that, I was, most times I got depressed. I was like, why of four children? Because my mother actually has six children. I'm the last. I say, why should it be me? Mm-hmm. And all that. So when I see people make gestures of me, probably maybe when I walk. Some people try to imitate and walk the way I walk and all that. And then I say when I was growing up within that age I really feel very bad and then I withdraw to my bedroom and then I cry sometimes and all that. And then when God got into my life the story changed completely. I, I begin to see that God sees me differently. He looks at me with a different lens like you have mentioned and all that. So as we proceed yeah, emphasize more on that. Yes, yes. One, one of the parts of your story, John, that, that is so beautiful to me is the difference between what other people saw and what your mother saw. Talk, talk a little bit more about that. Okay. Yeah, so, for example, when, when I graduated, as, um, even as a pharmacist from school, I was going for a couple of interviews and all that. And when I was going for those interviews, the, the kind of jobs I was applying for at that time was to be more like 
a medical representative of pharmaceutical companies and all that because I, I knew that I wanted to go to school more and all that. As at that time, I felt that being a medical rep gives me more opportunity to kind of save, make more money and save more so I can go for further education and all that. So I was attending a couple of interviews and all that, but when I go for those interviews, people really don't... Before I am being interviewed, a lot of companies, the being judgmental, and then they conclude that you can do this job and something like that. Even though they don't say it to me directly, but somehow I am eliminated in the process and all that. Not just because I didn't do well in the uh, test and all that, but because looking at me from the first impression was to say, oh, you can do this job, and uh, the job involves this and all that. But the first company that gave me the opportunity to be their medical representative, when I was leaving and resigning, they didn't want me to, to go. Yeah. So people were seeing me differently in a way that a lot of people were looking at me as someone that is supposed to be pitied in terms of welfare or someone that is supposed to be pitied, not on the content of what this person can offer and all that. So it was on the ground that this is someone that should be pitied. And whatever that is being done towards this person by people, by a lot of people, is should be in terms of welfare. So that was basically it. And mm. my mother saw it differently. Mm. 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 When, your, when your mother saw you or sees you, I'm sorry, she passed away. So, yeah. When, when your mother saw you, what did she see? Yeah, she, she, she sees someone, I can say the same, the, the, the way she sees me, she sees me differently from what human beings were looking at me. I can say she sees me the way God sees me. Because she sees me from the angle that you have been born to fulfill purpose and all that. So it hurts me because the, the saddest part of my story was when I, all through my life, I felt that, okay, when I graduated from school, the first person I was going to take care of was my mother. But unfortunately, she passed when I was in my final year in the university. So, when, so, so what, what brings worth and value to your life? What, 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 what is it that brings worth and value to you? Yeah, yeah I mean, um, what brings value to me, I know um, I have had a lot of sources in life. And the sources, I can't say, was because I, I am more clever than other people, I'm more intelligent or something than other people. But I see that it is God. The eyes that God looks at us, is diff God looks at us in a very different way. So what defines me is who God says I am. That's basically what I feel defines me because what I have achieved, Ordinarily, I shouldn't have achieved what I have achieved based on the lens that human beings look at me. But what I have achieved and the, the heights I have achieved is because God looks at me differently. Recently, um, I, I was the only student selected from a class of 35 to be a research assistant to, mm. to the professors at the Hiller School. Mm. And again, that's 
still bought down to the fact that God sees us differently, not from who, not from the way we look, but who the lens that He looks at us from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does God want us to see others? Yeah, um, the way God wants us to see others is the way he sees others. Yeah, so we shouldn't be judgmental. We shouldn't um, look at people based on maybe their looks, their racial background. Their, we, we just have to look at everyone as people that are created in his image. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the way I feel that God wants us to see others. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. You you stay right here. Yeah, no, you stay right. You stay right right here. Stay with me just one second. How does the Lord want us to see people? And I want to. I want to. I want to invite you to do something over the coming week, and that is to look at the person who's next to you, whether, whether you're walking down the street, whether you're at a, at a workplace, whether you're at home, <laughs> it's, a, it's a child or a, or a husband <laughs> or a wife, uh, uh, maybe it's a restaurant, and just say, Lord, would you help me to see the person who's in front of me through your eyes, through your, through your authority, your, your, your power, because in order for us to, to respond in love, and, and I mean, one of the, one of the reasons that, that John's mom saw him is who, for who God made John to be is because she loved him. There's, there's this place of love. And so, Lord, we can't, it's hard to love people who don't know. <laughs> uh, it's possible, but it's really hard. Uh, uh, possible only in the Lord, I think. But we, we need to gain a heart. I think the Lord wants us to, get, to gain a heart of love for those around us. And, and, and that takes time, right? It takes intention. And, and, and so as we, as we lean into our king, would you ask him, would you pray this prayer, Lord, would you allow me to see the way you see? In your authority, you know, as, he's, as, he, as he's preparing to ascend, he says, I give you all, all authority has been given to me, and I give it to you. There's this place of authority, but his absolute authority redeems absolutely. It doesn't control. It doesn't exploit, but it gives. It sacrifices. It makes whole. That's the authority that the body of Christ has been called to be known by. Not one, not one of, of being uh, self-righteous judges, but speaking identity and bringing the power of that identity in the way we love and sacrifice. Amen?